the year is 1772, and the place, Hebdon Bridge, England. And the Reverend Dr. John Fawcett prepares to leave his small church because he's gotten a new call in a big church in London. He preaches his farewell sermon. He begins to load a wagon with his furniture and books. And then suddenly he looks up and he sees the entire congregation has come out to pray with him and to wish him well. Remembering that heartwarming moment and out of love for the people of that church, Dr. Fawcett wrote a hymn. And it's a hymn that has been sung by the church for 250 years. It's a hymn that's still in our latest hymn book. Maybe you'll recognize it. Blessed be the tie that binds our hearts in Christian love. The fellowship of kindred minds is like to that above. And so how many of you know that hymn? All right, good. Blessed be the tie that binds. Whether you know the hymn or not, the poetry is meant to describe the strong bond that Christ creates among members of the church. The image of Christ creating a tie or a cord that binds our hearts together with other believers, it's beautiful, it's accurate, and it resonates with me this morning as we gather in this wonderful place. They are cords or ties that are sweet and extraordinary, and they are of God. At the same time, we're human subject to sin, and our hearts can be bound by other things, things far from sweet or holy. Our hearts can be bound by anger, by hurt. Our hearts can be bound by bitterness and regret, by blame and self-centeredness, can't they? The longer I try to live the Christian life, the longer I try to be part of Christian community, the more convinced I am that what binds our hearts makes a world of difference. For you, for me, and for Westlake Hills Presbyterian Church, it's really a daily question. What binds me? What binds us? And are these cords healthy and of God? Or are these cords destructive and in need of loosening? The climax of John's gospel occurs in the 11th chapter. It's a dramatic story. It's one you have heard many, many times. It's the story of life-giving ties of love and compassion. And it's a story of loosening ties that lead to death and destruction. Listen to God's word for us this morning. When Mary came where Jesus was and she saw him, she knelt at his feet and she said to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her also weeping, he was greatly disturbed in spirit and deeply moved. And he said, where have you laid him? 
And they said to him, Lord, come and see. And Jesus began to weep. So the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind men have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus again, greatly disturbed, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone was laying against it. And Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, already there is a stench because he's been dead for four days. And Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. And Jesus looked upwards and said, Father, I thank you for having heard me. I know that you always hear me, but I have said this for the sake of the crowd standing here so that they may believe that you sent me. And when he had said this, he cried out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet bound with strips of cloth, his face wrapped in a cloth. And Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. Unbind him and let him go. Now, I'll bet you've heard this powerful story before. You probably know that in John's gospel, this is the event that pushes the religious leaders to kill Jesus. And you most likely recognize that Lazarus' resurrection prefigures the joy of Easter morning. And we could talk about those things, that those would be great sermons, but for now, focus with me on this. Focus with me on the ties that bind the hearts in this story and the ties that Jesus loosens. The ties that bind the hearts in this story and the ties that Jesus loosens. Look closely and you will see the ties of love that bind the hearts of Mary and Martha, Lazarus and Jesus. Love demands that the sisters call for Jesus in their time of need. Love brings Jesus to their side. Love brings Jesus to Lazarus' tomb and to tears of grief. See how he loved him, everybody says. At the same time, ties of expectation bind hearts here. The sisters expect that Jesus wants the best for them, that Jesus will come to them, that Jesus will help them, and Jesus expects their faith and their trust. Their history together, their knowledge of one another bears the weight of such expectation. Ties of love and expectation visibly, beautifully present here in this event. But look again. Because there are other ties binding hearts in this story. There are ties of grief. The loss of a beloved brother clouds the vision, clouds the thoughts of Mary and Martha. Their hearts are bound. They're constricted by sorrow. And heartache actually keeps these sisters from recognizing the power of Christ. There are ties of misunderstanding, of anger, and of blame here 
as well. If you had just come sooner, Jesus, if you had just moved your itinerary up four days, Jesus, if you had come when we first called you, Jesus, our brother would still be alive. You see, both sisters misunderstand Jesus' delay. And with their hearts bound in anger and confusion, they see no hope for Lazarus or for themselves. They forget that the one who calls himself the resurrection and the life, he stands right in front of them. Look at what binds these hearts, my friends. Look at the way cords of grief and anger and blame strain the ties of love among Jesus' friends. It was enough to bring Jesus to tears. Martha, the super disciple, the one in John's gospel who first calls Jesus Messiah, the one who knows Jesus and loves Jesus, she actually complains about the stench of the corpse when Jesus asks for the stone to be rolled away from the tomb. Her heart remains bound, tied up by what she has known before, by her grief, by her previous experience of God, she can't imagine, she can't hope for anything new or for a future other than death and pain. What binds our hearts matters, my friends. What ties our hearts together and ties our hearts down makes all the difference because the right cords tether us to life and lead us forward into God's future, and the wrong cords destroy us. They destroy our relationships. They paralyze us. Just ask someone who struggles with an addiction about the ties that bind their soul, about the bond of addiction so strong that they are powerless to break it. Just ask members of a dysfunctional family about the unforgiveness the bitterness, the hurt, the anger that ties them down, making them strangers under the same roof. Just ask a 47-year-old who loves what they do as a career and yet finds no one wants to hire someone that age. Ask them about the bondage of a broken career plan, about the chains of failure strangling them as they peer into an unknown future. What ties our hearts together, what ties our hearts down, makes all the difference. Remember Jesus standing at the open grave of his friend Lazarus? Remember Jesus praying to God, saying, Thank you for hearing me, Father. Thank you for the power to break the bonds of grief and fear, hopelessness and pain. Thank you that soon these people who I love, whose hearts are tied to mine, that they will know your power and believe in me. Lazarus, Jesus yells. And out of the tomb comes a man who died for days earlier. Talking about unbinding fear and grief, talking about unbinding the perceptions of those present, those who would limit the glory and power of God, unbind him, Jesus says, and let him go. It's a dramatic story of God's power, power that is still available to you, to me, 
to this church, to this world. Just ask the person who struggled with addiction about sobriety, about being 18 months sober. They'll share a story of God's power with you. Just ask that struggling family blessed by a miraculous reconciliation and they'll tell you about God's power. Just ask someone forced into a career change in late life about the job that they never saw coming and they'll tell you that God is powerful. Friends, hear the truth of the gospel. We are not meant to be bound by ties of destruction, by bonds of illness or bitterness, anger or hopelessness, because in our midst stands the one who loosens every bond that could hurt or destroy us, every tie that separates us from God and God's future. And while we don't have the power to lose such destructive chains, our Savior Jesus Christ does have that power and can transform any heartache. Thanks be to God. That is a good place to say amen. It really is. <laughs> Thanks be to God. Amen. Good job. Now, before we leave this good news, this powerful story, I want you to look with me at the very last thing that Jesus does for Lazarus. The last thing Jesus does after raising Lazarus from the dead, after breaking the bonds of death, is to turn to the community. Those who are tied together by love and hope and the power of God, Jesus turns to that community and commands them to be part of his life-giving work. He turns to them and says, unbind him and let him go. Kyle Key and I were speaking about this passage earlier this week, and he said, you know, whenever I hear that, I think that's what the church is supposed to be doing. The church is supposed to be reaching into the world, into places that, that are deadly and stinky and, and, and supposed to be unbinding those who are hurting. And I agree with Kyle. As a Christian community, we do have a part in this process. We play a role. We are to help those who struggle. We are to get our hands dirty. We are to work to loose the bonds, the ties of destruction and death in our world. And, and, we are called to tighten the ties that bring life and hope and love to those who need it. Blessed be the tie that binds our hearts in Christian love, the fellowship of kindred minds is like to that above. There's that quaint old-fashioned hymn again. I can close my eyes and hear it sung in four-part harmony in my grandmother's church. Maybe you can too. Blessed be the ties that binds our hearts in Christian love. And I'm going to be honest with you. As I stand here in this pulpit and I look at you, I can almost feel those ties, those threads, those cords of love and respect, of concern and hope 
pulling and tightening among us and between us, the ties that bind our hearts together, the ties that bind our hearts to those who have left us, who used to sit in these pews next to us and are no longer here, the cords that bind our hearts to this weekly experience of Christ's presence in this place, and as the hymn suggests, the ties that bind us, friends, they are good, and they are of God, and they are crucial to our faithful ministry in this place. Blessed be those ties. But we're moving into a new chapter as a congregation, aren't we? And as we move into this new chapter, we have to be very, very careful. We must be careful with the other things that could bind us or tie us down. We must not be bound by our grief, by confusion, by apathy or rancor. We must not be tied down by regret or resentment, by sadness or even by past success, maybe especially past success. All of these things, while human and natural, friends, they will not lead us forward. They will not open us to God's power. They will not give us God's plan. Yes, once again, we enter into interim time. Whoopee! Are y'all as excited as I am? And yes, once again, as we have done so many times before, we must say goodbye to a wonderful pastor, to our leader. And yes, once again, we can't completely view the future, can we? Well, welcome to the life of faith. Real faith in a living God who alone is in charge. What binds our heart matters, my friends. So as we begin this interim time, let's remember one thing. One thing. In the end, it doesn't matter who pastors this church. I mean that. Let me say it again. In the end, it doesn't matter who pastors this church. It doesn't matter what challenge we face. We don't need to understand all things. We don't need to have a 10-year plan laid out for our lives or for Westlake Hills. No, in the end, what really matters, the one thing that matters is keeping the tie of love and obedience between our hearts and Christ strong, short, and tight. Jesus Christ, the good shepherd, the true head of the church, Jesus Christ who has led us in the past and stands in our midst this morning, Jesus Christ who alone has the power to take who we are, the mess we've made, the disarray we stand in, and with love and mercy unbind us. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Loving and merciful Savior, we indeed stand in your presence. Draw close to us. May we feel the ties that bind us to you, the ties that pull us forward. 
unbind us and help us to let go of anything, anything hindering our walk with you and stay beside us this day and in the days to come. Amen.